everyone in Steelers Nation want, wants to know when is Kenny Pickett going to start. It's not going to come soon, but it could come later. But if you're wondering still what's the logic behind that, we go into the balance of it. What's Mike Tomlin thinking? What are the Steelers thinking as far as keeping him out while Mitch Trubisky struggles? We'll talk about that, what the Steelers' offense identity needs to be, and what it should be moving forward, talking about the construction that Matt Canada has put together as the coordinator, the problems that we've seen with it, and how the players are reacting to it. All right here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined today by Josh Taylor of KDK TV and 93.7 The Fan. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things of the Pittsburgh Steelers. As you can find the show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and YouTube. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please hit the like button on this video if you enjoyed it. Hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channel to get all of our daily Monday through Friday episodes, as well as our bonus content, which we release on, on occasion. We thank you for making the Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Just pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to ten times your money on your entry. First time users can receive a one hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars with promo code Locked On. That's L O C K E D O N Locked On at PrizePicks.com. As I said earlier, joining us today is Josh Taylor. He's back on the show. Josh, how you doing, man? I'm good. I had to switch things up. I'm usually at home in my home office getting things done, but we got some uh, family in town, so I had to yield my home office, and I'm, I'm at my office over at KDK, which is still being remodeled, as you can see. It's not even done yet, but here we are in the new digs. Figure it'd be a good place to in to get set up. New digs, but it, new digs, but an old hoodie repping the Shenley Spartans up in there. I see you, sir. I figured a man, uh, I figured a fellow PPS alum and an yes. Autodice Dragon would appreciate the the nostalgia of a Shenley Spartan he does. Son, he, does. So. he he does he does appreciate you of all people would appreciate it but let's get down to the the big topic here and that's Kenny Pickett which a lot of people in town outside of town everywhere Steelers fans are calling for it every day you know some people are going as far as saying like hey if if Mike Tomlin doesn't do this he's costing the Steelers the season but you know the more I look at this and listen I'm a person that says if this was if this was my team I would be starting Kenny this week. I just, I'm, I'm tired of Mitch Trubisky. I think he's making way too many mistakes. I think Kenny Pickett could do it, but I also covered Kenny at, at Pitt. So there's, a, I have a little bit of bias because I liked what I, what I heard from that young man when I, when I covered him grow and mature as a young man at, at the Pitt football program. But, um, you know, is, is this, is this too much? Is this, are people pushing too hard for Kenny Pickett here or Josh, or do they have a point that, you know what, just start the kid and see, and see what happens here. I think they have a point from the thought process of, well, if things can't be any worse, then why not give him a shot? But here's the problem. Things could still be worse. <laughs> I don't think people really realize just how much worse things could be. Like, this is the team that actually beat Cincinnati and forced four interceptions out of Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. That wasn't Mitch Trubisky that threw four picks against Cincinnati. That was Joe Burrow that threw four picks against the Steelers. You want to talk about performances that could be worse. He has not had that, oh, my God, how is he still standing after all this stuff going wrong performance yet. Mm-hmm. He's missed throws here and there. Yes, there have been bad drives. There have been three and outs. But 
Is it really different from the offense we've seen in the last couple of years? Not really. And mm. that's a problem that – and that, I've been saying this for a while. The, the three and outs, the short drives, the, the leaving the defense hanging by not being on the field long enough, this is a problem that spans whole seasons. It's a problem that spans quarterbacks. It's a problem that even spans offensive coordinators. We're talking all the way back to 2018 to this mm-hmm. being a consistent problem. And if you want to take it back even further, there's a couple of postseason performances in 2016, mm. 2017, 2015 where the same problem was prevalent there as mm. well. But the thing that I think sticks out the most, and this is a problem whether Mitch Trubisky is the quarterback or Katie Pickett's the quarterback, both guys need to be helped by a consistent running game. Yeah. And we have not seen that. So if you're going to put Kenny Pickett in the game, and I imagine that if they do that, they're going to want to tailor the game plan for Kenny Pickett just the same way they, they tailored the reps for him in the preseason. Remember what the very first play was that Kenny Pickett ran in the Steelers uniform? It was a, a play left, action, quick hit. bootleg quick hit to the tight end. Yep. Now, if, you're not a, if you, you don't have a running game established, that's not going to be very effective. Right. It's not going to work as much as you want it to work. Or anything else you're trying to draw up with Kenny Pickett where you're trying to move the pocket with him and use his mobility to your advantage. If your running game is not working for you, then you're not going to have that option to do so. So not only will you have to change some of the the directions you're going in as far as the passing game and those concepts that you're going to call, you're also going to have to completely tailor and alter your run game to suit that also. So all of these things have to come into play. And for me, it sounds like a great idea, but now you got to take something that hasn't been mastered yet, something that has not really been corralled as far as this team and doing what they do well, and now you're going to have to start all over again trying to put new things into the mix. And I, I remember covering um, Arkansas a couple of years, this was almost 10 years ago, well, when Brett Bielema was the head coach there and he replaced John L. Smith. One of the things he talked about that season was, I'd rather do 10 or 11 things well than 40 or 41 things wrong. Mm-hmm. In other words, he was talking about simplifying the playbook because that was an offense that also hadn't really found its identity yet. They had a couple of really good running backs, and one of them, Alex Collins, isn't going to the NFL. But the one thing they kept asking was, well, are you trying to run with this guy? Are you trying to run with that guy? Are you trying to establish a balance? Like, where does the passing get fit in? He says, look, we're just trying to find things that we do well right now. We're just trying to find things that work. And this offense has had 12 quarters. Have they really found something that they've mastered yet and actually works can you go to anybody in this offense and say, hey, well, you know you need to get yards. What's the play you're dialing up? Every guy to a man should be able to play. They will say, well, if it's a wrong play, we're going to go with this, or it's a pass play, should be able to go with this. Could they do that right now? I don't think they could, and I don't think it would matter from quarterback to quarterback. They need to figure out what they're good at first yeah. before they can even figure out which quarterback it works with. We'll, then we'll, we can go from there. We'll talk about the identity in a minute here, but I think a big part of this is is – also with the quarterback and choosing the quarterback situation, people are just like, why? The reason why I see why is like, you know what? We don't see everything the Steelers are seeing in practice. We don't know how Kenny Pickett's handling week to week, you know, game plans and how, and how he's looking, how he's looking in those moments. That's the, those are the things that we got to see that we, that we don't, that we have to trust the Steelers organization to do, to do the right thing on. And if you rush Kenny Pickett, Here's the here's there's a there's a few ways to get in. Let's let's say this goes is this 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 goes well for you. Let, let's say you rush Kenny Pickett and he plays well right now. But with the gauntlet of teams coming up, like the Eagles, like the Bucks, like the Bills, like the Dolphins, two of those teams being three and zero right now. Another one of those teams being a Super Bowl favorite in the Bills. Um, with all those teams coming up. You could be putting Kenny Pickett in a really rough situation. Sure, the Jets, a team that, you know, I think that the Steelers could beat with Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, or Kenny Pickett. But with all, with all those things look, looking the way that they do, 
is it worth risking the future of Kenny Pickett? Because the early formative years of a quarterback are very delicate. They can be very they they, they can determine whether you go or whether you you skyrocket to become a franchise guy or you end up being a journeyman that was just a bust a bust of a first round pick. These years are very or these these weeks even are very important. And I think that the Steelers, they want to make sure that whenever Kenny Pickett gets his launching pad start, it comes from a really good place. And, I mean, you look back over the more successful quarterbacks of recent years, you know, sure, Joe Burrow's a guy that started right away, but look what happened to Joe Burrow towards ACL his first year. And, you know, it wasn't until his second year that he really became the guy that even that, that looked really good. But even now we're starting to see, like, you know, there's cracks in that armor. But you look at the at the most re, most successful recent guys like Patrick Mahomes, like Josh Allen. Those guys they wait. Even Lamar Jackson w- w- waited. You know, there's guys that had to sit. They learned. They got the pace of things. And when the team felt it was it was time, they put them in there in a play in a situation that was favorable for them to succeed, so they could build their confidence. To me, that doing that is more important. Than just what a few get what a few wins happen in September and maybe early October for the Steelers in one season. I, I got a few things that I can uh, put out in response to that. Number sure. one, you lay out a, a, a slew of guys that had the opportunity to sit first and learn. And the reasoning that some of us keep coming back to in this particular parish is, well, Ben Roethlisberger got a chance to start his first season, but this is where you remind people going into that season, he was QB three. Yeah. Charlie Batch got hurt first. Then Tommy Maddox got hurt in week two. Mm-hmm. Then Ben Roethlisberger got inserted in as a starting quarterback. And yes, they won, what, 14 games in a row. But right. there's something out. else that you need to point, that need to remind people of that. At the moment Ben Roethlisberger was inserted as a starting quarterback, he also had a Hall of Fame guard blocking in front of him, mm-hmm. playing next to an all-pro center in Jeff Hardings. He also had a Hall of Fame running back to hand the ball off to. And he had, at the time, the most dominant defense in the land, doing the job on the other side of the ball and making his job easier in case he messed up. Granted, he didn't mess up a lot. And that's the reason why this worked, because they were able to run the ball well. They played really good defense, and Ben made very few mistakes, which sounds a lot like what you and I have been talking about could be this franchise's ethos. That's odd. We'll come back to that later. Another thing that you pointed out that I want to kind of address the irony of which you talked about uh, of the possibility of things go wrong with Kenny Pickett, how he could become a journeyman, former first round pick. Well, if he wants to see what the aftermath of that is like, he can just look down next to him in the locker room and find another guy in the same boat. Mitch Trubisky mm-hmm. right now, Cause some people are already ready to call this man a bust of a first round pick. So that's, that's kind of looking in the looking glass of what this can turn into. But for me personally, it, it, it all comes back around to, You need to put this guy in a situation where he can succeed. And I think every part of it that you gave is true because, yes, there are some quarterbacks that were thrown into the fire and succeeded early, but there were some that had got thrown into the fire and had terrible times starting out. No one ever likes to talk about the 1999 season in Indianapolis because that was Mm. Peyton Manning's rookie year. Mm. That team was bad. People forget. Remember when Jim Morris' famous playoffs playoffs rant? That rant started off of a question about Peyton Manning. Because that was Peyton Manning's rookie season, and that's how that started off. Now, granted, at the end, Jim Moore eventually was pushed to the side, and Tony Dungy was brought in. So there's that whole situation as far as that history. But, I mean, there's this whole thing where people expect a rookie quarterback to be dropped in, have him figure it out, and take off immediately. Even the quarterback that we esteem among everybody to be the greatest of all time was not inserted in immediately 
and named the starter. It took an injury for him to get his opportunity too. Once your blood so went down, then Tom Brady got the shot. We can't change the circumstances. We can't right. choose the circumstances of how it happens. But one thing the Steelers can choose is how long they can use the time that they have to make sure Kenny Pickett has every weapon in his arsenal, both carnal and conceptual, to use on the field when he gets out there. And if those things aren't in place yet or if they're not ready or prepared, if they don't have that whole arsenal available to them, like you said, it becomes a really tough task, first of all, to pull off. Then a defense that's already overworked becomes even more overworked and it becomes an exercise of futility. And You don't want to see the ripple effect because we're already seeing the ripple effect now when the offense isn't effective. Just imagine the downside of not having this prepared the way you want to and how much worse it can get down the road. I think that's the one thing that outweighs it for me. Now, I'm also one of the people that say, if you want to go with another quarterback, go with another quarterback. That's fine. But make sure you have everything in place to help him do his job. And if your running game has not been solved yet, which they have not done, if your defense is not at full strength, which it is not right now, mm-hmm. it's going to make his job even harder. And it's the the overall effect of your football team may not be any better than it is right now. And for some people, they say, well, that's a reason to try it. And for me, I say that's a reason not to try it because it could always, always get worse. We could we could see it get worse, but a big part of that, what you said, is figuring out is, is the offense doing something and being good at it so that you know, whenever you bring in Kenny, he's just leaning on that. We'll talk about what that needs to be in this in the next segment on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. But first, we got to talk to you guys about prize picks. Now, prize picks, as I said before, is the fun new daily fantasy game that everyone needs to start playing right now. If you're big into fantasy sports, it's simple and easy. Just pick two to five players that you think you have a beat on for their day in fantasy. Choose whether they get more or less on the certain stats that are picked by prize picks, the app and the website prizepicks.com. You can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. And remember, it's a lot easier than the regular daily, daily fantasy sports because you're not competing against others. It's just guessing right on more or less picks on prize picks that are set by the actual app. Prize picks does this for NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, and college sports, and so much more. Download the prize picks app today or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. Again, that's a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 on prize picks by just using the promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N. Don't forget to sign up for that. At, at prizepicks.com, where you can play daily fantasy, just guess more or less and win more money for yourself. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm Chris Carter. He's Josh Taylor. Josh, you talked about needing to run the ball, you know, needing to do something to make life easier for Kenny, because this is like you said, when, when, when Ben Roethlisberger came in, he could trust Jerome Bettis. He could be, he, he was able to go and look and be like, like, I just have to hand the ball off to him. And then they'll call play action. I don't hit Plaxico Burris on a deep ball or Heinz Ward out of the slot or he, or well, I guess it wasn't Heath Miller's first year, but his second year. Uh, but still there was a, there was an identity to that offense. You had Alan Fanica in front of you. You had, uh, you had an offensive line that you that he could trust. This offensive line is playing better. There's no doubt about that. They are coming together and without the the investment of a David DeCastro type of player. But um, I'm kind of with you that Kenny Pickett does need 
a floor to work with. He does need a team, you know, a, a strength to be able to lean on when, when things are going awry in a game, he can give it to this guy or he can throw it to this guy or run this certain play. There's no play that we can think of right now other than the jet sweep right, right now for the Steelers that is a like a good – like when they go to it, they find success. And I think that's the problem. But what does this offense's identity need to be? Is it getting the ball to, in the playmakers' hands of these wide receivers and letting them go to work? Is it living off of Pat Frymuth or is it living off of Najee Harris? It, it doesn't have to be everything, but there needs to at least be one thing. And what do you think that needs to be? The ideal would be to dest- establish a balance between all three of those elements. The idea mm-hmm. would be whether to get in the hands of Chase Claypool or George Pickens or Chase Claypool, or to utilize Pat Fryermuth in the middle of the field, or to use Najee Harris in whatever role, whether it's handing the ball off or catching the ball in the backfield, which, of course, he has done quite a bit in both roles and done pretty well with. But for me, in order to do the first two things, you got to do the third one, too. Mm. And that might as well be your foundation. That might as well be your basis, which is running the football. And I have three different sets of evidence that support this theory. And I, okay. I tweeted this out before the game Thursday. The day of the game Thursday, I said I had three words for the Steelers, and it was run the ball. One of the reasons why, and this is something that I keep coming back to because people, for some odd reason, want to leave it as that thing sitting in the corner of the room and they don't want to acknowledge the previous four seasons, the Steelers have been in the bottom five teams of the league in rushing yards. The, I'm talking 28, three, 20, 2018 through 2021. They have been in the bottom quartile yeah. of the league in running the football. It's like Le'Veon Bell left out of the Steelers locker room after the 2017 season and the run and the run game left with him. Mm. And I now I know that people like to treat Le'Veon Bell like he's Bruno and we don't talk about Bruno. I understand that. For, <laughs> as the son of a, as the father of a son who watches Encanto, if you know, you know. But as we try to ignore the fact that this is a glaring hole that has never been fixed, you now have the opportunity to solve a lot of problems by addressing that need. Mm. You now have the opportunity to solve the issues with the timing of your offense being off, the inability of your offense to move the football, trying to stay on the field and have longer drives to give your defense some sort of a respite because God knows they could use one here and there. And more importantly, being able to do your offense's job, which is matriculate down the field and score points. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me that the only thing that seems to be working to that effect is running the football. And and Mm. it's not like I'm making this up, Chris. Okay. The Steelers have scored four offensive touchdowns this season. Okay. In each of those offensive drives, they ran the ball at least or close to half the time. Against Cincinnati, that one touchdown drive, they had seven plays. They ran the ball four times for 21 yards, and yes, a jet sweep was involved in that one. Against New England, their long touchdown drive, they, they had nine plays. They ran the ball four times for 32 yards. And in the two drives against Cleveland, they ran four out of seven plays for 25 yards. And the second one, eight out of 10 plays for 44 yards. And then those last two, both of those touchdowns came on the ground. And I laid this case out before Thursday's game. The the drives where they commit to the run game and allow themselves to establish it, they've been successful and scored. And even in a couple field goal drives, too, they've run the ball and had some measure of success. So if running the ball is the thing leading to your team scoring points, why would you abandon it in the second half when you left the first half with the lead mm. and running the ball helped you get the lead? Why would you abandon it? Why would you immediately go away from it when it was actually working for you on that drive where things fell apart because of the Chooks penalty and third down and so on and so forth? But then you had three straight three and outs after that, and you ran nine plays and you ran the ball twice. In a game that you were down by one possession. 
Mm-hmm. Why would you abandon it? And we, Chris, you and I know this. The best times to run the, run the football, the teams are going to look for it in the first quarter because the game is just starting out. Right. If the game is tied or it's within one possession, and more importantly, when you have the lead, those are the times that are usually the best dictated to run the football. And this team had all of these scenarios. The first couple scenarios, they got right. Then they had to lead in the second half and abandoned it. And we wondered why the offense sputtered because the thing that worked in the first half suddenly stopped happening in the second half. And this is a part of a, a bigger problem for me. I could just mention it's just the run game and that wouldn't be fair because the truth is when you boil it all down between the Cincinnati game, the New England game, and this recent game against Cleveland, the biggest issue that spans both sides of the ball, or if you want to include special teams, we kind of leave this one out. We have not seen this team put together a full 60 minutes of physical football. I agree with that. On either end. They haven't done it on defense. In the one game they came close, once again, Cincinnati. But that physicality came off the field as soon as T.J. Watt left because he is their most physical presence. He is their best defensive player. And he's the guy that does the one thing best in a defensive system that's designed to use a minimal number of rushers after the quarterback. So if you're using the minimal number of guys to rush the quarterback and one of those guys happens to be one of the best in the league and now he's gone, of course it's going to be affected because you're already using the smallest amount you possibly can and your best guy doing that's gone. So that's going to be affected, but he also affects the run game. So that's going to be a big problem there. So when your most physical guy is gone from your defense, you lose that element of physicality. And the thing that you do on offense that establishes the most physicality on offense is the thing you keep abandoning so frequently what do we expect to see from the results that we see? There's a reason why the first three quarters against Cincinnati look so different from the fourth one. There's a reason why the second half against New England and the second half against Cleveland look so different from the first half against New England and the first half against Cleveland. Because in the second half against New England and Cleveland, they abandoned the run game. And New England and Cleveland said, you know what? We're not getting rid of ours, and we're going to beat you with it. And they right. bludgeoned the Steelers over the head with it. And especially since the Steelers abandoned their run game and could not extend drives and could not manage to stay on the field for longer than three plays at a time, New England and Cleveland, I'm sure they're licking their chops on the sideline saying, well, good, we're going to do it all over again. It became the opening kickoff in the game during Little Giants where the mm-hmm. other two teams were saying, we're going to take the ball ram it down your throat. Right. We're going to get the ball and we're going to take it from you and then we're going to ram it down your throat. We have not seen this team be physical for 60 minutes. And until we see that, I hate to sound like the old saying, but the beatings will not end until morale improves. That's kind of how it feels right now. But that's the, that's the dreaded reality of it. This team lacks physicality because the things that make them their most physical are either not available to them or they're just abandoning them. And that's a big issue. Now, I think it's important to note that at least in the Browns game, the first drive you had, you, you moved the ball, and then you got crushed by a penalty, and then you were so far behind the sticks running the football wasn't that effective. But and that was the, the first drive of uh, first drive of both halves, right? And, and that's just that that that's something else. But in the the next drive, you had Najee Harris runs it for one yard, Mitch Trubisky runs it for six yards, then a deep shot to Deontay Johnson that that you know went through his hands, but also you know he, there was a little bit of really good play on the part of Denzel Ward to make that a tougher catch. True. Um, then in the next drive in the fourth quarter, Najee Harris runs for no gain, deep shot to Claypool goes incomplete. Um, a false start that puts him behind the sticks, and then a deep shot to Fryermuth that goes incomplete. There you have back-to-back three and outs, um, and then on the on the next drive. And at this at this point, you know the Browns have taken control of the game, uh, and it's, it, there's less than six minutes on the clock, so you got to make moves. Mitch, Mitch Trubisky 
uh, seven-yard pass to Claypool, incomplete short pass to De- Deontay Johnson. Then he's sacked, and the Steelers have to punt again. Uh, so, like, you go to that, and it's like by that time, you can't run the football. But it's too late. I, and and I, I I feel you, and I feel like this team does need to be able to run the football. But also, when you're running the football, you have to be disciplined. You have to avoid the penalties. Um, and I feel like the offensive line is doing a lot better a, a job of that too. They're, they're they're staying clean. They're not they're not committing like the killer penalties that that we that we've seen some offensive lines do and Steelers lines do of the past. Um, but it, it means that a lot more people have to play clean football, and that's why I think so many so many teams go away from that style of play sometimes because they're too afraid. It's like, you know what? We can't keep every everyone disciplined. It's going to be easier if we can hit some shot plays. It's going to be easy if we can just throw the ball around. And, you know, it'd be more about, hey, we worked this in space and we got this guy open and he made a guy miss. And that was that was our that was our drive. Um, but to make this this offense work, to make the run game work, it's going to take some coordination between the offensive line. It's going to take a commitment to Najee Harris and Jalen Warren because it can't just be Najee Harris, but it's also going to take Mitch Trubisky getting defenses to back off the run game. We'll talk about that in just a minute here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter. He's Josh Taylor. we got a lot more to discuss before the show's over. Stay with us. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm Chris Carter. He's Josh Taylor. Josh, as I was talking about there, you know, as much as we want to talk about running the running the ball, if teams are ready for it, like the first, I think the first play of the, of the, of the second half was a handoff to Najee Harris that went negative four yards because the Browns were just all all over it. If you do not find a way to back them off, you are going. You are the run game is going to struggle. Teams are going to feed off it. They're going to look for it all the time, you know. And it's it's going to be a problem. This isn't college football where like Pitt can call you know fifty run plays in a game against Rhode Island and they get four touchdowns out of it and they just bully them down the field. These are all professionals. It's going to be tough. That's where I think the biggest thing that that the Steelers have to do right now is yes, get to being able to rely on the run. But man, if 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 there can be some way to get. Mitch Trubisky to see the middle part of the field to take the guys that are being left open, especially when the, when the defenses are looking for the run. That is the balance that I think that gets you your identity and can build the foundation for Kenny Pickett to have a good place to come in. Now, if there was only a guy who, tend, who tends to generally dwell in the middle of the field that they could use to exploit certain situations, that would be just absolutely golden well, for them. They don't have anybody like that, do they? Uh, well, there is that one guy they took after they drafted Najee Harris. Oh, who was that? Tyremuth. I was going to say, does he rhyme with Matt Tyremuth? He does not rhyme with Matt Tyremuth. Now, <laughs> this is the one thing I like to remind people, because people love to dump on that 2021 draft because they should have gotten this guy. They should have gotten that guy. Just imagine if they hadn't drafted Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth with that draft with their first two picks. Where is this offense now? Just imagine what this offense is without those two guys. Just imagine what this offense is last year mm-hmm. without those two guys. They don't beat Cleveland in Cleveland without those two guys. There's a couple games they don't win last season without those two guys, much less what we're talking about this year. But this offense, you want to talk about not having an identity? We don't even know what this offense could be without these two guys. Mm-hmm. Because here's the, here's the dirty little secret that we don't like to admit. The most reliable guys when you throw the ball to them as far as gaining yards, consistently catching the ball and making plays are Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth. I know a lot of people love Deontay Johnson, but Mm -hmm. there are also some people who don't necessarily love Deontay Johnson, and their point is well made about why they don't love him. 
So my thing is this, if you know your two most reliable guys as far as consistently making plays when the ball is in their hands or Najee Harris and Pratt Friary move, you need to get them more involved in this offense. And a prime opportunity to do that is like when you lay out. When a team brings eight guys in the box, you got to start looking at Pat Fryermuth. Yeah. You got to start looking at Zach Gentry when you actually use him in the game. Chris, there were points in the last two weeks where I would literally sell a kidney to see 12 personnel. Yeah. Give me 12 personnel. Give me Najee Harris with Fryermuth and Gentry. Two receivers split wide. Now, you don't need to go back to the full Le'Veon Bell situation where you knew it was power right and counter left and lateral no, repeat. To. You don't have to go fully back to that. I wouldn't argue with you if you did, but you don't have to go back to that. But could you give me 12 personnel? I don't know. Even get creative with it. Put a Connor Hayward in there. Put mm. put, put a uh, put a Derek Watt in there if you have to, just to mix things up and make it a little bit more centric to maybe running the football if it doesn't tip things away too much. But find a way to get other people in the box here and not only help you establish the run game from a number standpoint, but also use the play action game as well. Cleveland's biggest pass play of the second half came with multiple tight ends in the formation and it came off play action on third and one. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. Their biggest pass play of the game came with multiple tight ends on third and one and it was a big pass play down the field. There's a reason why that's useful when you need it. When you've had an entire day of running the ball and setting up that opportunity, this is when you can make plays like that when you have extra personnel in the middle of the field or deep down the field because your running game allows you to set the pass game up. I wouldn't have minded if they came up the second half with double tight ends and ran a play action on first down and found either Zach Gentry or Pat Fryermuth because if we learned anything, Mitch Trubisky can trust those guys when he throws the ball to them. Mm -hmm. They're going to make plays, especially in the red zone where Pat Fryermuth, I tweeted this out after the New England game, death, taxes, Pat Fryermuth in the red zone. Aren't many things that are that sure. So if you have a guy like that that you know you can rely upon in your passing game, who's also a willing and growingly capable blocker, and you got another guy with him who's a pretty good pass catcher and also a growingly reliable and capable blocker in Zach Gentry, and you know what Connor Hayward and Derek Watt are, use those guys. Mm -hmm. Find a way. If you're going to have these guys be part of this offense, get them on the field and use them. I don't care how. I don't care what you have to do to do it. But you have this personnel that you can use to make things easier on you. Use it to your advantage because we've seen small glimpses of them doing it in this work. We saw the big pass by the Zach Gentry for 32 yards against Cincinnati. Yep. That was a great play for them. Why haven't we seen that against New England and Cleveland? You mean put that on tape from one week to not use it the following two? Mm -hmm. If there is a criticism I can levy on the offensive coordinator right now, it's the this inconsistency in the play calling. Right. It's the inconsistency with the using things that work versus opportunities to use them when it's set up by something else. We know when Matt Cannon is at his best, he can mm -hmm. use play sequencing, and it can go pretty well. He did it against Cincinnati on one drive. He did it against New England on one drive. But the way you can do that on multiple drives, start doing things that worked with you before and find a way to incorporate your run game into it and set it up to do that again. There's no reason why we can't see this on a more, a more consistent basis if you get more guys personnel-wise involved that are capable. And, and that and that's my biggest criticism of Matt Candidate is that you need to lean on your strengths in the offense at times. And that's where – and if, if you want a legit criticism, that, that's it. Now, my problem is is that – you know, they'll be they'll people people will roll up to the gas station, look at the gas prices instead of blaming Joe Biden or blaming Donald Trump. They're blaming they're blaming Matt Canada for the problem at this point in time because he gets blamed for everything under the sun. You know, and I'm just like he's not at fault for everything here. You know, and yes, 
there are times yeah i think you should find ways to work not Najee harris more into your game plan you should find ways to work pat Frymuth into your game plan a little bit more you should find ways to work george pickens into your game plan a little bit more but you know what it doesn't matter if if you if you call the right play and pat Frymuth is wide open or george pickens is wide open and Najee harris is wide open and they don't get a target is that the offensive coordinator's fault or is that the quarterback's fault that's the quarterback's fault and that's happening a lot in these games so Maybe part and part of it is a balance. Matt Canada has not had a great start. Mitch Trubisky has not had a good start. These are two guys who I, who I think that they are not gelling together. And this is the big challenge that I think Mike Tomlin faces as a decision maker and for the Steelers organization as a whole. How long do you give to find to 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 to, to let Kenny Pickett learn? And how long do you wait to see if there can be some sort of synergy, some sort of identity built for this offense before you pull the trigger and say, all right, Kenny Pickett, this is your offense. Go out there and work with it. This is the things they like to do. Make it happen. And that that's going to be a tough question. I still say the bye week it look, looks like a, a reasonable place for it to happen. Yeah. Um, but it might it might be longer if they if you know if the imagine the Steelers are let, let's say that it's the worst case scenario. They're they're one and seven at the bye week. And the offense still has no identity. You know, you know, do you start Kenny Pickett there or do you say, you know what, we want to get him in a better situation than that if the offense still doesn't have an identity? Well, let's say you do have an identity and you're four and four going into the bye week. Do, if you've figured something out, do you put him in there or do you say, hey, Mitch Trubisky might be on the tip of something and he's, he might be just being the game manager that this that this team needs to be? Also, where's TJ Watt in the equation? Does he come back? Is the defense ready to dominate? All those will play into the, the the factor of when to bring in Kenny Pickett. But I'm right with you. This offensive identity needs to be through its playmakers and, th- and through its best playmakers. And I truly think those two best playmakers are Najee Harris and Pat Frymuth. And it's so funny that those are the two guys that can that, that can play off of each other the most to make life easier for whoever the quarterback is. And I, I keep pointing this out because the scoring drives this team has had They've been able to establish the run game, but the result, the resulting factor in that is that after having success in the run game, whether it was with Jet Sweeper between the tackles with Najee Harris or Jalen Warren for that matter, they were able to do other things after that. They were able to throw short, they were able to throw medium, and then I, one of the other criticisms I heard is that, well, the Steelers don't use tempo enough. Well, there's a very important component that you need to establish tempo. Yeah. you got to gain yards first. Mm-hmm. got to gain yards first. Before we start using tempo, I've never heard of a team that lost five yards on first down and ran back to the line of scrimmage to run a play on second and 15, because that's not how it works. You've got to get chunks of yardage in order to establish tempo first, because now you're moving down the field. And more importantly, you're giving the defense no time to try to reset after they just gave up a chunk of yardage exactly. and trying to figure out what they have to do. But you got to get the chunk of yardage first. So you got to figure out what gets you that chunk of yardage. And that's the one thing I look at. Now, as far as whether or not you're trying to figure out when Kenny Pickett goes in or out, there's a good way to figure out, A, when putting him in is a good move, and B, putting that foundation in place for him when the time comes. Mm-hmm. And the way you do that is continuing to put your trust in running the football. Because now, if that's happening and if that's successful, Mitch Trubisky still can't play off in the passing game, now you know what the real problems are with the quarterback are. And now you know, okay, the running game is still giving opportunities in the passing game and the quarterback's just missing them. And if that becomes a continuous problem, now you know that, hey, maybe a change in quarterback helps because Kenny Pickett, by the way, at Pitt, had a running game that helped him do his job. And, yes. and this is something that supports the evidence of what you need to do to get Kenny Pickett ready. And it also just supports the evidence of just running the ball well 
in general to help Matt Canada's scheme be a little bit more effective. Because I, I keep hearing the whole, well, Matt Canada had one good year at Pitt, and whatever. Yeah, they beat the eventual national champion with mm-hmm. that offense. They racked up more than 400 yards of offense doing it. They ran for over four and a half yards of carry. And by the way, that offense ran for 225 yards a game. That's why that offense worked, because mm-hmm. they ran the ball and ran it well. And they found ways to keep opponents off their set to do it. There were times they had to do it physically, but there's times they used jet sweep. There's times they were open hold because the defense didn't know where to react because they established that identity and they committed to it. I have yet to see this offense commit to running the football in the ways that they can be successful. And that's one way you can set it up. Even if, even with Pitt, uh, Kenny Pickett at Pitt, they still ran for 150 yards a game last season mm-hmm. during that magical season that Kenny Pickett had. So he still had a running game that helped create balance in that offense. And they had three really good running backs that helped him run the football. They didn't just have one. They had three to go to that were effective yep. for Pitt. And they got three to go to this season to boot. And they've they've even Pitt has come to the point where, hey, let's run the football. It's actually working for us. Even they're starting to embrace that again as the identity of what their offense can be. And that's even with or without Keaton Slovis. And that's important. If you can plug that same dynamic in here, if you can develop that same kind of commitment that they had in the first half against Cleveland, that they had for a short, brief window against New England, if you can really commit to that run game and have it be part of what you're trying to do, and I don't care what personnel, what grouping or formation you're using to do it, just find the one that works, find the guys that it works, that to hand it off that it works with, and move the ball. Everything else will probably unfold in front of you, and that's as far as the short term and the long term as well. Absolutely, and to your point again about hurry up and use and using that offense, the Steelers already are ha- have the lowest time of possession average in the NFL with twenty four minutes and fifteen seconds. Shortest means- average drive. Shortest average drive. One of the worst in yards per play. Exactly. That's not an offense that can go no huddle. That's an offense that needs to huddle a lot more because clearly something's wrong. And and even if even if you're you're, even if you're thinking, well, they do better when they they have it. If you have a if you have more drives where you do make mistakes and you do go three and out or you commit a turnover while doing that lightning offense, you're going to shorten that up even more. That means that teams are on average possessing the ball for for 12 minutes and 30 seconds longer. Than the Steelers in games, that's almost an entire quarter. You can't and, and live. When that you're way. telling me that they move the ball better when they run no huddle, I go, no, they're running no huddle because they're moving the ball better. Exactly, it starts, and that's it what's allowing to, to extend drives. Like, but people don't realize this. We think no huddle, no huddle drives are short. No, no huddle drives are longer because the, the more you possess the ball, that's more time in between snaps, and that's more time the defense has to figure out what's going on. Now, mm-hmm. yes, it's it's a shorter time in between snaps. But that number of snaps adds up, and the time you eat up on the clock adds up, especially when you're running the ball and incorporating that into that hurry-up offense. We just assume that a hurry-up offense is going to take a minute and a half. No, hurry-up offense drive could take between three, four minutes, depending on what you're doing and where your starting point is. If you got to drive the length of the field, it might take you a while, but it might take you nine, ten plays, and it's going to wear the defense out, especially if you're converting third downs along the way. That's another thing. Not only does converting third downs extend drives, but that's what wears defenses out, both physically and psychologically. And if you need an example as to what that effect is on a defense, go talk to the guys on the other side of the locker room because they're getting gashed with it. They're giving up third downs or giving up long drives, and they're getting worn out because of it. If you need somebody to tell you what that effect is, go talk to them because they're pretty familiar with it right now. Exactly. And that's uh, and Cam Hayward said, like, hey, 
we're you know you know, we're, we're we're gassed we can't be on the field this long and that's as you know that's all that's part of that's on the offense but part of that's also on the defense because and Mason Cole agreed too he said we got to help these guys out we got to stay on the field more right you so got, when your you, center and your defensive tackle are saying that that says a lot that it, it says it says a lot and right now the Steelers and funny enough they were they were awesome against the Bengals they did a great job against that but then in recent games they, they've now dropped down to 25th in third down allowed percentage allowing 46.9 uh, percent of third downs to all their opponents you you gotta find a way to improve improve there uh and, and the thing is is like it's easy to say what you have to find a way to improve but legitimately if the Steelers want to get back to playing the, the kind of football that they that they think they can play to win to win the game they're gonna have they're gonna have to do a better job of it we'll see if that happens um moving forward we'll see if this offense develops an identity we'll talk more about that as the as the week goes on mike Tomlin does talk on tuesday we'll see what he has to say leading into the Steelers' upcoming game against the new york jets josh thanks so much for joining us as always it's always a pleasure to have you on the lockdown Steelers podcast let people they can find you follow you and get more of your work uh social media josh taylor hd is the easiest way to go as far as uh, my work goes on the TV side, cbspittsburgh.com, easy place to go there. On the radio side, 937thefan.com, or you can listen to 937thefan on the Odyssey app. I will be on 937thefan this upcoming Wednesday. I believe that is September 28th. Yes. I believe it is. Correct. I'll be on from 8 to 1035. Chris will be one of my guests. You can listen Ooh. to it on the Odyssey app right after you listen to the Locked on Sealers podcast. You get a two for one. So do that too. Absolutely. Look forward to that, Josh. Thanks so much for joining me here on the, on the show. You can find me, Chris Carter, on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. If you want to read my work on the University of Pittsburgh's football and basketball teams you and all sports at Pitt, at Pitt Athletics, you can check me out at the, Pitts, at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, post-gazette.com, uh, where you can read all my stuff. We got our first chance to speak to Jeff Capel, so that was awesome. You get my first look at Pitt Hoops uh, for, for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette there as well. But, like I said, Tom and Talks Tuesday. We'll have a, a, good, a great Wednesday episode and then crossover Thursday we'll be here before you know it get it all here right on the locked on Steelers podcast Monday through Friday we're on Apple Spotify Google Podcasts, Odyssey and YouTube if you enjoyed this video on YouTube please hit the like button on this video please subscribe to our YouTube channel to get all of our daily Monday through Friday episodes again I'm Chris Carter thanks for checking this out we'll be back on your screens and in your ears very soon 